Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on BayFM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Yeah, you're tuned to Future Sense here with Nick, Steve, and our special guest, Ross Hill, this morning. That's right, and we're talking about words today and the problem that we face with fake news and not knowing who to believe or what to believe. And uh, how do we find a way through that? And, and uh, what we're working towards in, in our discussion today is the fact that looking at actions and outcomes really is a more reliable way of knowing where people are coming from, what they're intending or what they're capable of. Mm. Uh, and uh, we've we've got to this place uh, in a very graceful way through a natural evolutionary process of uh, of various dynamics, including this big pendulum swing that we get as we go as we evolve through various layers of consciousness in the long term. I'm talking about the whole of humanity here. We swing from individual focus to a communal focus and back to an individual focus again. Each time we go to one of those particular uh, sides of the pendulum swing there's a different theme that plays itself out but with the underlying uh, individual or communal focus and we're swinging away from the individual focus of the scientific industrial era right now and we're in the transition phase towards a new communal focus which will be centered around the theme of deep human connection and uh, very very much associated with group acceptance being liked and you can see those uh, those sorts of themes already playing out on platforms like Facebook uh, and also we know from looking at history and the length of these different paradigms these eras that they are slowly in fact actually now they're quickly getting shorter and shorter and shorter the earliest human paradigms like our hunter-gatherer phase our, our original tribal phase were quite long um, many, many tens of thousands or even a couple of hundred thousand years in the case of hunter-gatherer. <clears throat> and we're slow, slowly reducing uh, the time spent in those paradigms. So the, the scientific industrial 300-odd years, uh, and weren't they? Um, <laughs> and uh, now this next paradigm, the, the postmodern relativistic, uh, Graves called it, it looks like it's only going to be a couple of decades. Mm. And we can already see, because what we know from his wonderful research and what we're seeing playing out in the world at the moment, we can already see why it's likely to be fairly short-lived. And its purpose in the big scheme of things seems to be to act as a final cap on the first tier of consciousness. So we've grown through all of these uh, up until this sixth layer there through hunter-gatherer tribal existence, uh, egocentric, warlike, uh, agricultural, authoritarian, scientific, industrial, and now to this relativistic network-centric, which is emerging and which may only last for a couple of decades. And uh, it 
it's causing us to reconnect a bunch of dots. So in the, the last individual era, the scientific industrial, we kind of pulled everything apart yeah. uh, so we could look at it, you know. Reductionist. Uh, yeah. and uh, Specialisation. Yeah, rather right. than sort of picking the flower and smelling it and appreciating it. And we're actually not picking it. Not <laughs> just, picking the flower. Just smelling it. Just, just uh, uh, witnessing it. Yeah, exactly. Consider the lilies. Of the, I'm quoting the Bible again today. Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not nor labour or something to that effect. They're just, yeah. there they are. Thank you. Um, <laughs> of course, in the scientific industrial, we, 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 we picked the flower and pulled it apart, put it under the microscope so we could look at those little bits and just and then it out. died and then it died of course yeah. of course in the process um, and but you know what wonderful things we discovered yeah. we discovered about all those tiny things that we wouldn't have found otherwise unless we put it under the microscope so you can see the value in it but now we've got to compensate as the pendulum swinging back in the other direction and we have to learn to put things back together again it's well, kind of like Humpty yeah. Dumpty well, really. to use your, your analogy it's great uh, you know we, we've we've taken the flower apart and understood the flower on, on a level we didn't understand before but we didn't understand it enough we're only just beginning to I guess understand it within the context of the of the environment which in which it grows that's right and all the connectivity of all things on this planet that it is related to yeah mm. and it's kind of like we got distracted you know to go deep into knowledge mm. within a very narrow scope and how fascinating it has been and how useful also yeah it solved a lot of problems which yeah. is its purpose yeah, yeah exactly but then we kind of stood back and go oh that was good but then the de the flowers did uh, and we, we look around and see that we pull all this stuff apart and we've got to figure out how to put it back together again um, so it really is a lot about rejoining the dots about learning how to rejoin the dots and, and even at the simplest level like within community rebuilding our communities mm. which have been also pulled apart by that scientific industrial process pulled apart but also made bigger yeah our communities uh, now we have we have planes that we can fly around the world on that's we can, uh, that's right. we can go faster and, and further than we could before yeah so where our community you know possibly used to be our local town or our local region now we're sort of stretching it until our community is pieces of the whole world put together. And it, I can just as easily find out, you know, what happened in, in Paris this morning as what happened in Byron this morning. That's very true. Um, and there, I think this is something that we lose when we are, are too narrowly focused. And e even, you know, in the emerging sixth layer, just focusing on the things that went wrong or, or seem to have been pulled apart by the previous layer, you know, we can get lost uh, in terms of maintaining that biggest picture where the overall progress is is you know absolutely amazingly net progress mm. in terms of the widening of our scope the deepening of our knowledge mm. the the growth of our general understanding of the big picture mm. you know, and so much more complex there's so many options <laughs> exactly exactly but also what you're saying too it's, it's important to acknowledge enough like we we're all pretty aware of the problems that we now have on the planet and because and that's what's this is all facilitated this connectivity that ross is talking about has enabled us to not as you said what's going on everywhere all the time if we want to and to therefore see all the problems and also the things that are sprouting up as uh, as solutions either technological or otherwise to various uh, issues that we have so we're seeing all those things better and quicker and faster uh, because we have to don't we because we're, we're in a stage where we actually have to come up with uh, solutions that are beyond what we're currently even moving into right now yeah Exactly. And uh, we're, we are, in a sense, propelled by our problems, and we have been all throughout history. It's the, the problems that we create from one particular focus, whether it be individual or communal-themed, 
they they are what cause us to want to gravitate back in the other direction in in order to you know find the solutions to to the problems we created. But yes. we're we're getting to a point now where we can actually start to see and talk about these large-scale dynamics and we can understand that, okay, um, we can understand that we can ask the question, do we need to create these problems in order to continue this journey, you know, or can we actually see the bigger picture and see that, okay, we went in that direction, the next step is to go back in the other direction. Do we have to actually create problems to push us that way or can we consciously choose to go? So this is a very big change, isn't it? This is a very big change, which is what uh, Gray's identified and called uh, momentous leap to to jump into that frame. it is a very big one. It is, and, and this is the this is the kind of change that we'll see when we move beyond the sixth layer across this momentous leap into actually being able to see that all of the patterns that we've been getting pushed around by, uh, and and then of course once we understand the patterns, we can work in flow with the patterns, and it really changes the ball game a lot. In the short term, though, uh, we are most of us on the planet who are not aware of these patterns. Uh, and and don't have the you know the perspective to sit back and look at them in the way that I just described. Um, we're going to continue to create the problems, and so um, it's worth having a discussion about that and uh, how these emerging social dynamics of um, the, the strong need for deep connection and acceptance are actually where we can anticipate the problems that we're going to create basically out of those dynamics the, the problems that are going to be generated and therefore uh, we, ha- we do have an opportunity to um, to some point mitigate the, the damage the turbulence that we have to navigate and it is it's very interesting because in the in the immediate term um, it often feels like just chaos and anxiety and, and there's so much stuff and it feels very overwhelming and what do I do with it all uh, and it's it's an interesting time because we've got some of these different layers all active at the same time. And in, in the past, it was often the old way versus the new way. Yeah. And now we've got well, the old way and the other way and this way That's and right. that way. And yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are they doing over there? <laughs> of course. And, and at this time on the planet, we've got more value systems, more layers of mm. consciousness active than ever before. Mm. And I guess part of that, with what you're saying, what I'm what I'm hearing here is uh, what is required now as we move even further forward is the ability is the ability to identify in different frames, in different layers, in in different paradigms where certain solutions may may exist. Because it's not about transcending everything and just leaving everything behind. It's actually about finding ways to include what works at different layers of of, of consciousness and and bring that into a, a new system of systems. That's right. So so by being able to stand back and see that there are these layers and each of the layers has a particular way of problem solving which is suited for a particular level of complexity of problems, mm. then eventually they become a tool set which we can access and apply a, a, you know, as, as is best for the common good. Whereas at the moment we are, most people are locked into one dominant mindset associated with a layer of consciousness mm. which has one way of problem solving and it's like I, I said in the, the first part of the show it's you know if if it doesn't work it's get a bigger hammer right and all you've got is a hammer Hit it again. <laughs> um, whereas 
we eventually, on the other side of this momentous leap in consciousness, we'll be able to say, okay, the hammer's not working. Maybe we need a screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you might not agree with the screwdriver, you might have liked the screwdriver, you might have had a judgment about the screwdriver, but actually the screwdriver is... Once the, you've seen it in action, it does, it's it does the proper screws tool. really well. <laughs> proper tool for, the, tool for the job. Exactly. It, 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 nice, nice sort of uh, segue back to our central theme of the show is that the action speaks louder than words. Yeah. So if it actually works... We ought to take notice mm. and just acknowledge that it actually works. And also, uh, at this time when we're being flooded with fake news and, and lots of uncertain forecasts and predictions for the future, uh, which, you know, by definition, we can't test a prediction until it has the time <laughs> to play itself out. So that that is somewhat it difficult. Is. But and it's very easy to get stuck in a loop with these things as well. It is, um, absolutely. I was, I was just searching for a piece uh, during the break on... Um, how search engines have been blocking some of the leading acupuncturist practitioners yes. in in the search results. Yes. Um, and so I was trying. My, I heard about this news from my Chinese doctor, and she was saying it's it's a bit of a concern um, within the alternative medicine space because the search engines have started blocking some of these categories because they're alternative medicine. They're not widely accepted mm. by the mainstream by definition. And so as the search engines are uh, starting to filter things that are fake news and erroneous and not backed by evidence, they're actually filtering a lot of alternatives. Mm. Even though most people and the Australian government would say that acupuncture is a accepted uh, it's know, part of, form uh, of treatment. Yeah, part of medical um, 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 health Yeah, so I was, I was trying to find this article on the internet just to, to check what I was, um, was talking about, uh, and then I realised I was searching Google, and so it's not going to appear for me. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> And that, that's an example of how this layer six uh, tendency to want to come up with an agreed, you know, uh, an agreed standard, an agreed belief, an agreed response is leaking into their, their filtering system on that search engine where they're, they're, they're flattening everything out. So, you know, there's anything that doesn't agree just doesn't show up. Famously, though, uh, we love Google in many ways because it is so simple and they flatten it. It's just one text box. You yep. type in what you want, you yep. push search, and it's meant to come up. Yeah. Um, but there's all these layers of filtering. So there's the autocomplete part where it says, you know, did you did you mean this word after yes, that word? That's right. There's I, the the maps blacklist. If you look at Google Maps or Apple Maps in different countries, the maps are different. Yeah. Um, and if you look at uh, the Crimean region from Russia, it's part of Russia. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. If you look exactly. at it from the US, it's not part of Russia. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a lot of these different distinctions that often when we're using an app, because we're using an app that looks the same as everyone else's app, we think we're getting the same information from inside it. But mapping is one of those great ones. You, go, you cross a border and suddenly the whole map and the whole border changes and moves by uh, often quite a significant amount. Very interesting. Very and interesting. Your point about simplicity made me, made me think of an Einstein quote where he said, things should be as simple as possible, but no simpler. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's very good. Uh, we've got a lot of texts here. I'm going to zip through them uh, as appropriate. Not everything, not all of them, but it just bits here that you've been commenting. Um, reframing is the neuro-linguistic term. Yeah, we're talking about reframing here. That's true. Uh, someone else has written in. It's interesting to note that it takes catastrophes to bring people together. So universally and karmically, it will get worse here before it gets better to bring all consciousness together as one. Um, someone else has written, graceful way, evolution, yes, into the future, but certainly first-tier evolvement has been largely brutal. Um, that's an interesting comment. Uh, it has, absolutely. You know, it's been... Um 
it's, it's been full of violence. There's no doubt about that. Mm. And, uh, and violent rejection of people who believe different things, have different values. Mm. Someone else has also written your experience, um, Steve, that you're talking about. I was speaking online with a close friend of more than 30 years. When I explained my differing view to her on climate change, she said she felt she could no longer associate with me. There you go, and, that, and that's that driver, the new driver in this layer six value set where social acceptance being part of, and accepted part of the group uh, becomes the most important thing, you know, even to the point of, of uh, severing a friendship, a long-term friendship like that. And, yeah. and of course, the, the fear associated with that driver is the fear of being rejected by your group. And, yeah. and you know, that is, it, it's like, um, Isolation, you know, being the most the, the har harshest form of punishment for a prisoner. I mean, look what they've done to Assange. Yes, Julian Assange. He killed him. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's it's a fear of that, and, and this desire uh, to to want to remain part of the group and accepted uh, member of the group. Yeah. yeah, but it's very interesting. What will we do, and what will we sacrifice in ourselves to be part of the group and yeah. continue being part of the group? Exactly. Um, and I, I think it is very interesting because when you do look at the actions that people take. Um, there's some people who who go really hard on the actions, um, and so I was just having a look at where Greta is today, um, because she, uh, you know, famously was she'd sailed across to the U.S. She went to a event at the U.N. in New York, and then she was going to make her way south over land um, to a, a U.N. conference That's in Chile, right. yeah. which they had to cancel and move. Mm across the world to Madrid. Because of civil unrest, I think. Yeah. That's right, yeah. 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 Chile is one of the many countries in the world with that much civil unrest going on. That's part of this equation that we're talking about, in yeah. fact. Yeah. And yeah. so for most um, of the participants in the conference, it was fine. They just changed their flight. They go across to Madrid. But Greta said she's not going to take any flights. And so she had to find a sailboat to get all the way across the world. That's right. And um, she's almost there, you were saying. So she's on day 18 of her trip with uh, a couple of Aussies that she's riding with. And they're arriving in Lisbon tomorrow morning. Um, so, yeah, good on her for uh, sticking by her words and, and not just jumping on um, the nearest private jet across to the, the next location. She's still got to get from Lisbon to Madrid. That's a bit of a... It's Portugal to Spain. It's a bit of a journey there. She's somewhere. making good progress. <laughs> hitching, hitching probably would be good. A uh, couple of other quick quick texts. Uh, yeah, there's a lot here. People, thanks for writing in. We can't cover everything here. Um, talking about um, the illegit illegitimacy of the government in this country res with respect to First Nations people. That's, uh, that's an issue. That's another issue too. Great topic of conversation, guys. Someone else has written in. That's our friend George. Hello, George, down there. And yes, I will play that track for you in a second. That's true. And there's a bunch of other stuff here. Uh, thanks for all your texts. Keep them coming in and all your comments and keep that mind, those minds working out there for sure. We'll take a break here on Bay FM. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. 10.28 here on Future Sense with Nick Jean, Steve McDonald and our special guest Ross Hill. Uh, I just want to give a bit more flesh to the, uh, the, the piece, the text that came in regarding the First Nations people. Because you say here, I'm pretty sure this is the truth, the Westminster system of Parliament is null and void as there was no treaty signed and no bill of sale with the First Nations peoples 250 years ago. That's true. So technically the government in this country is uh, an act, ACT, uh, in Canberra. That's kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's an act. The words that don't really mean anything, I guess you could say. And thanks for your text, 04373 if you've got anything else to say. Um, 
Yes, uh, thanks for this one too. Thanks to Dudley. He's written, Congratulations, guys. The way your show is going, I believe it is becoming one of the most important radio shows on air. Well, that, do you mean everywhere or just on Bay FM? <laughs> <laughs> we, in, we, this, in this part of the galaxy, I yeah, think he means. Strike, strike our egos. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> we, we don't mind. No, thanks, Dudley. Thanks for listening and to all of our regular listeners. Yeah. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, you could kind of think of Claire Graves' work as a bit of an operating manual mm. for the human experience. I certainly think of it that way. And it's, it's you know, the more you, you sort of delve into it, as I have done, the more amazing revelations you come across. And one of the things it does do, and again, this is all from data collected during field research. This is not Claire Graves' imaginings that he's written down. It's all from hard data which he has analysed with the help of a, a, a small network of people and then mm. uh, documented. And he's basically all documented the potential pitfalls of each of the different perspectives that come from the, each layer of consciousness. And so what we might do uh, for the rest of the show is just have a look at the probable pitfalls that we will face from this emerging paradigm so this relativistic humanistic network centric way of being human that's rapidly emerging across the planet at the moment and uh, is generating all of this unrest dissatisfaction with the old ways all of the you, know, you really i think it's fair to say all of the the unrest that we're seeing around the world at the moment is driven by dissatisfaction with life conditions yeah. which have emerged from living a different way Mm. And also very much on our theme, a lot of words that are spoken by governments of all colours and designs across the word, world and very little action taken to actually um, to fulfil the needs of the people one way or the other, whether it be social justice issues, uh, access to jobs, housing, uh, clean water um, and um, climate issues, environmental issues generally speaking on the planet. Yeah, certainly that's been a a uh, characteristic of the layer five uh, mm. way of governing because of the drive for individual success those people who are successful tend to get end up with most of everything and those yep. other people who aren't successful miss out mm. exactly so um, some of the some of the pitfalls that graves pointed out uh, this drive for human connection and acceptance by your peer group and it's important to to point out that the peer group for layer six will be spoken about, and this is a difference between words and actions here, it will be spoken about as, as if it is everybody. Okay, they, You hear people who are operating through layer six speak about doing things for the good of all humanity, yeah. and the words portray the, the idea that they are considering all of humanity when they mm. make all of their declarations. Mm. But if you watch the actions, the actions uh, show that there is um, severe rejection and pushback against people who don't think in a layer six way. Mm. And that's you know what's driving a lot of the protests around the world right at the moment. Um, so there you have this contrast between what's being spoken and what's being acted out. And, and hence the theme of today's show is uh, suggesting that you actually look at the, the things people are doing, their actions, to get a truer sense of what they really mean. So whereas people might say, you know, um, we love everybody in the world, everybody has the right to say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do, be free, yet you look at the actions and the actions are censoring people who don't say things that Layer 6 agrees with, yes. just, just as one example. Yes. Yeah. So the actions are speaking louder than the words there. Uh, and there is a danger when you operate from a place where you have to, as a group, as a social group, agree on what's correct, what's right, what's proper, and then apply fairly rigid rule sets mm -hmm. around that. 
um, there is a danger that your common, commonly agreed understanding might be incomplete. It might yes. only be partially correct. So would you say this is a, a fault of consensus thinking, essentially, isn't it, this kind of idea? It, it, extreme consensus. It's yeah. Extreme consensus. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with, with everything, when you have a balance, then you make allowances for, you know, yeah. things, things that maybe not yeah, some sort of, in mm, consensus agreement. But, mm -hmm. but when you get to an extreme uh, pendulum swing, then you see the sorts of things that we're starting to see. Uh, in mm. small amounts where you just get blatant uh, censorship mm. and disallowance of anything that's not, you know, the party line. And it's this happens in any uh, I, uh, sorry, any we, us, our themed layer. So if you go back to the agricultural era, which gave rise to religions, uh, you know, our, most of our major religions that gave rise to old school communism, and you can see in those belief systems how anything that wasn't per the book, it wasn't on the list of what to do, was actually branded as completely wrong, disallowed, you were punished if you did it, those sorts of things. And, mm. and, and this is what happens in conformist systems here. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about uh, the difference between Scott Morrison and Malcolm Turnbull right now, where Turnbull's come out and said, you know, the Morrison government's, you know, failing, particularly around climate change, but other issues too, whether he's right or wrong or whatever, that's irrelevant. But the, just that difference between uh, the conformity that Morrison is, uh, is kind of perpetrating upon the Australian people of this is the way it is, there's nothing to look here, it's all good. We're all together. We, our community, our you know, the, the, the the quiet Australians, quiet Australians the, yes. that whole <laughs> that whole notion, all these sort of things are perpetrating this this idea that uh, that we're all together actually, but it's a different sort of together under Morrison than uh, than the green layer that we're talking about, That's and right. different from Turnbull, it, which is expressing more of, of the orange layer. It, it's a different dynamic. different dynamic. It's political spin. It's essentially, yeah. in some respects, a lie that you're telling people in order to try and get them. To conform, mm. whereas the conformity that's coming out of Layer Six, which is a genuine conforming system, mm. is a is a genuinely believed yes. you know, conformism. It, yes. It's it, it's it's people are conforming because they genuinely mm. all believe that this is right, mm. and part of the motivation to believe that the group think is right is this desire to want to be accepted by the group, mm. right? Because you, there's a subconscious understanding that if you don't agree with what the group agrees with, you're going to be cast out of you're the outside. group. You're outside, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, outside yeah. the tent, and, and that's a very scary thing. Yeah. yeah. I had an interesting experience of that in the recent climate protests. Um, so I was in Melbourne where there was a, about 100,000 people, uh, which was huge. Um, and there was a lot of really, really good signs. Um, I think the internet's been really helpful for protests because people have been able to practice memes. And yeah. so uh, the, the handwritten signs that people have now are pretty fantastic. Um, but with 100,000 people, there's obviously a lot of different subcultures within there and sub-beliefs as well. Yeah. Um, and so I was there primarily, I would say, because I think we should um, learn more about the environment, get more in touch with the environment again, um, you know, probably chop down less flowers here and there. Yeah. Um, but then I saw the group of vegans and I thought, oh, do I have to be a vegan to fit into this this much? Mm. Um, and... I thought, well, that, that might be a step too far at the moment. I'm not sure if I believe in that piece of it, mm. but it is part of the, the broader climate discussion. Mm. Um, is it okay if uh, some people, you know, drove their oil-driven cars here? Um, I actually caught a tram, which is electric-powered, but then the trams often get taken out in the, these protests because people sit in front of them. Um, but they're, they're actually all powered by renewables. Yeah. And so there's all these really interesting paradoxes once you, you peek beneath the veil of climate protesting... 
uh, into all of these sub-beliefs and, and different yeah. sacrifices I could make to fit into all of the various groups. Yeah, and, and that's that's a good insight into the fact that the, the value system itself is a little bit like an iceberg. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff under the water that you can't see, and then you're, you're just seeing the little bit poking up above. And if we go back to the previous um, communal layer at layer four, which was the agricultural era authoritarianism, it gave rise to a whole bunch of different religions, right? And each one of those religions was shaped by this conformist uh, nature of, of the, the value system. Uh, and in particular, you know, that, that theme of there's only one right way to do anything. But that one right way could have been Christian, it could have been Muslim, it could have been Jewish. Um, and it's a similar kind of thing happening. What you're seeing is the, there's, there's an underlying dynamic in this layer six value system, which is causing people to want to come together within a group to be accepted by the group and to conform with whatever the group believes. But that group could be veganism, it could be you know a climate group, it could mm. be any, anything um, that conforms with the general themes of this particular layer. Yeah, and it'll play out in different ways. And then, of course, you, you get confusion and even conflict between those subgroups in the mm. same way that you've got you know, Christians versus Muslims mm. at, at war. Yeah, it's got uh, nothing to do with left or right politics when you're talking on this layer, no, no, this it, level. It's, and the multi-generational as well. Yeah. Um, mm. There was one uh, mm. young boy that was walking past, and he asked his father, Dad, why are we here? <laughs> yeah. And he said, because we have to be. Yeah, yeah you're right. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of confusion. Yeah, a lot, a lot <laughs> of confusion. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting as you're speaking because on this layer that we're talking about six that's emerging in uh, Claire W. Grace's configuration, uh, we're seeing this this as you're saying this pulse towards conformity. But now it's it's on a global level, which is the first time. That's the big difference here, and in, in that sense, it speeds everything up as we're talking about this layer. Probably won't last that long. The connectivity is such that things move very quickly in this space. Yes, but we are sort of arguably practicing this um, conformity on a sort of, so to speak, lower level in order to get ourselves ready for actually our true global perspective and, and solutions that are truly global. <laughs> the final solution. <laughs> I, didn't say that. I did not use the word final. True. <laughs> it's your word. It's, it's always tempting to, to, to think that there's an end point where, yeah, yes, we've done it. Well, you we know. I know. Well, I, I certainly we get, didn't mean that there's an end point, but just yeah, to, yeah. to get to the next stage because it's, it's easy to think that this new emerging paradigm is the solution yeah uh, and, yeah. and i think a lot of people out there do think that that's right uh, and, the, and the green way of doing things sustainable renewable all these sort of things they're all good ideas they're yeah. much better than, than what's happened before arguably for sure yeah but uh, to to say that this is the end point is problematic straight away yeah of course and, and history shows us that, that each time there's been a paradigm shift we've thought that we've found all of the answers that we needed and that's been true for yeah. a short while yeah but then living life the different way produces new problems that you can only solve by going to the More next layer of consciousness. Yeah, More yeah. So it's, it's, and, and this is why uh, Claire Graves called his book The Never-Ending Quest. <laughs> <laughs> and a <laughs> good example on. of that is uh, what's happening in Western Australia at the moment. Um, you know, so many Australians have, have got solar panels on their roof and the solar panels are great and they feed in this solar energy into the grid, but the grid was designed for huge, you know, power plants fueled by coal or whatever else. Um, not not these little tiny generators on everyone's roof. And so uh, I think a lot of people were surprised at the percentage of houses that have solar on the roof now. Um, it because really Australia's snuck one of the up leaders on us. Yeah. Per capita for that. Yeah. Um, and now that it's here, we've got these issues with the grid 
having to accept all of this because the, the panels don't talk to the grid, the grid doesn't talk mm. to anyone else. Um, and so it can't say, hang on, we need a little bit less energy right now. That's right. Uh, we can't accept all of it. And they're filling the grid up and uh, they need to shut down the coal-fired power station potentially if they, they get too much power in the grid and coal-fired power stations aren't designed to be shut down. You and can't shut them down and start up real quick. No, that's yeah. a big failing. So, so it's, a, it's a huge issue. I mean, it's, mm. it's a failure of strategic planning and one that's resulted from the fact that the people who've been uh, putting, building these solar panels and installing them and, and people who've been wanting them on their homes are operating from a different value set yeah. than the government. And the government doesn't see the motivation. The government doesn't see the likelihood that this is going to take off like wildfire and overtake the coal-fired power stations. Yeah. Uh, so I they, mean, the scale is impressive. They haven't planned for it. It yeah. is impressive, people and it's, really I think it surprised everybody. But, mm. yeah, you know, people not long ago were saying that Australia was quite backward when it comes to renewables, but here we are all of a sudden, we're just, like, shot up. Overwhelming amount, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as you're saying, uh, in uh, the, the structure of it has been uh, part of the old paradigm. In, in other words, Perth... Uh, as, as the city we're talking about here, it's all one group with a whole bunch of solar panels. That's great, but they're not actually what we need is a, is a resilient local community and exchange uh, ability between uh, small communities and suburbs and yeah. so forth in this kind of structure, yeah. which is beginning to be talked about. And there are organisations who uh, and uh, companies who are doing this, but it's still fairly early days. That's right, because the potential issue here is that the, with too much solar power being generated, it mm. could mess up the entire grid yeah. for everybody, basically, yeah. by, by you know blowing the fuse on the yeah. whole grid, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But there are some uh, there are some interesting solutions coming. Um, there's one uh, Perth company called PowerLedger who Power has got Ledger. a, a blockchain-based yep. solution, um, and it's still very, very, very early days. But uh, they're effectively setting up this infrastructure so that each supply of power, each panel, um, can talk to all the other suppliers yeah. in the area and, and trade the excess power, or you know, turn it up, turn it down. Um, and that's really it's similar to adding what we think of as the internet to a lot of these other parts of the world that aren't connected to the internet. So you don't you don't flick the light in your room and turn the light on and think, oh, this is not connected to the internet. But it's not. Uh, and so, y you know, the other light bulbs in the world can't, can't react to what you're doing with your light bulb. And in Australia, we get this every summer with hmm. um, everyone's turning on their air conditioners, drains a, a huge amount of power. Um, and if it does get to the, the capacity, then it creates the, the wide-scale problems. But, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of people working on different solutions so that we can have these local decentralised networks that can respond to each other for the first time. So I guess what we're saying here is that these movements are, are wonderful, yet they're not strategically thought out in depth, and they haven't been, and that's, this is the problem with uh, with the era that we've, we're emerging from, is there hasn't been enough strategic thinking in so many different ways, yeah. and that we're coming to start to see this, I think, more and more. Yeah, yeah and, and the, also the fact that the, the new thinking, the new consciousness is coming from a grassroots level and it hasn't yet filtered up to our government systems and yeah. our social systems. And that, that is yeah. potentially, I think, the biggest challenge that we're facing over the next decade or so is trying to cope with the collapse of systems that cannot manage yeah. this new way of being human and uh, building up the new higher level systems, as in social and government systems, quick enough to take yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. 10.50 here on Future Sense. Thanks for joining us today. A few minutes left. Yeah, in these last few minutes, I just want to dive into some of the, the uh, probable pitfalls that are going to emerge from Layer 6 thinking and this, this particular way of being human. And we've been talking about this driver for group acceptance, uh, sociocentric behaviour, 
and uh, the fact that if something is or runs counter to what is generally agreed by the group then it may be rejected may be censored people may be persecuted as a result of that and there is tremendous danger in that from a from a sort of a, a large-scale perspective in particular, <clears throat> and that is that the scientific method which has developed during the previous paradigm has been based on the continual improvement of knowledge, always being open to improving our understanding, and that is what has really got us to where we are now, is this fact that we can say, okay, this is what we know so far, this is how we think it works, and then every now and again someone else will discover something new and say, actually, this needs to be added to that to give us a more complete understanding, and, and that sort of process has got us to the moon and back and um, allowed us to send machines actually out to the very limits and beyond the limits of our solar system which is fairly impressive but so with this uh, growing conformist uh, theme coming from layer six we are seeing censorship we're seeing rejection of anything that's different and particularly uh, a lot of it has been driven by fear and and i think climate change has probably been the most prominent subject uh, in terms of people being fearful you know the creation of anxiety and particularly in young mm. kids uh, and uh, this fear that what if this is correct and what if we don't act in time then you know we could all die or something mm. like that but what's not being said is what if we act without understanding and actually make things worse and when there are some early signs of you know that potentially happening mm. with things like Bill Gates wanting to fund some scientists to put up a giant thing to block out the sun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, what could go wrong there? <laughs> really. It'd be a great show anyway. Uh, the, the, the scary thing, thing is, though, that th these are serious discussions. Yeah, it's, it's this is real money. With, with people with real money, yeah. People are thinking of doing can this. Can actually do this. So, so, <laughs> this is what concerns me. Yeah. Um, so this, this rigidity in rejecting other opinions, other possibilities, makes us blind to new thinking. So right now, I think it's fair to say we really don't have the... the uh, solutions to solve most of the major problems that we're facing globally and, and one of the solutions we need is a deeper understanding of human nature to understand why people don't want to solve the problems and their behaviour, their motivations are taking them in other directions. Uh, and the only way that we're going to discover those new ways of thinking is to be open-minded and not to latch on to one th uh, theme, one concept, one idea and reject everything else. So that that is a major, major danger and it's one of the uh, things that is going to create the evolutionary tension for our momentous leap to second tier because there will come a time where we we run off on a tangent as we're starting to do already thinking that okay we know everything we don't need to know what you're saying because we already know the truth and it's right and then sooner or later we're going to get hit in the face with the truth uh, at a species level and people are going to say holy shit you know and the one of the things that I can see coming is the complete collapse of confidence in science I mean we've already, we're already seeing now we're in the process of a collapse of confidence in government right and somewhere down the track we're going to have a major major global collapse in the confidence of science itself which is going to be a big big slap in the face and and it's this kind of extreme tension that is going to actually blow our minds out of the first tier and into second tier so the ultimate outcome is good but the, the question is how much turbulence how much human suffering needs to happen in the process yeah. uh, you know for that to, to, to actually occur um, and our, our new ways of thinking uh, are only going to come from a minority of people who are thinking differently. So, yeah. so um, you know, the, the danger of pushing that minority away, shutting them down, censoring and things ought to be fairly obvious. But we're, we're 
competing with this tremendous growing desire to want to be within a homogenous group to be accepted by that group and to feel good about being part of the group and, yeah. and you know that that's the dynamic that's competing against this at the moment and ultimately it's all perfect ultimately uh, evolution will play itself out and there will be a swing back the pendulum always swings back in the other direction there's no risk of that I, I guess the tempting thing for us at the moment is with the benefit of stuff like Claire Graves's work with the benefit of being able to stand back and see these dynamics we have the opportunity to, to change it yeah. and and so rather than be blindly pushed along by this the pendulum swing ha as we have been in the past we have the opportunity to actually take, uh, take some real action that might reduce the human suffering required for the changes to take place yeah. as an example and uh, you know the, the temptation of, of doing that is pretty strong uh, someone's written in or Dudley and he's written in why people don't want to find solutions most deep truth to explore well said I think you said that why people don't want to find solutions in some cases with, yeah. in some layers of consciousness yeah it, it comes back to the driver of your particular dominant mm. value system um, and how smoothly it's working at the moment you know, if if your exactly. life is going well and smooth, then what do you need a solution for? That's Whereas exactly right. When you're in the yeah. middle of chaos, you could do with a few solutions. Yeah, yeah, too right, too true, too true. So I, you know, I guess the the punchline of the show is uh, at this time in history, with what's going on, all of the dynamics surrounding us, we're going to find more value in looking at the actions of people than we will out of just listening to the words they say, because we will notice then that their actions don't always match their words. Mm. Thanks for joining us here today. Futuresense.it is our website for access to the podcast, also the Apple Podcast app. And you can also go to our uh, to our Twitter page at Future Sense Show. Thanks to my co-host, Steve McDonald. Thank you. And to our special guest, Ross Hill, this morning. Thanks Thank for you. joining us again. It's lovely to have you here, as always. And thanks to all of you out there who've been listening and for your many, many comments. Great, to, great pleasure to have you with us and to enjoy this conversation as we continue to find the best path forward for this, uh, for this, this planet this time. Much love to you. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.